Hey guys, Hall of Fame and Super Bowl champion quarterback Brett Favre here. Just wanted to thank you for tuning in to Connor's show. Just another football podcast. Please don't forget to leave five-star reviews and subscribe to the show. guys back with johnny in the studio about to do this eagles post draft breakdown johnny what a crazy draft the eagles have had over the course of this past weekend we're gonna get right into it well i think we should just start with jalen Rieger right off the bat so we can move it along as fast as we possibly can yeah so i'll start off just before we even look at anyone to give uh, any listeners a bit of background coming from uh, england myself i did not stay up for the draft this year. I used to when I was younger, but sometimes now I watch it on record the following morning. Uh, I watched the Jalen Hurts pick, and bear in mind when you're watching it the following morning, you have no internet. So I watched the Jalen Hurts pick not being able to look at Twitter for a good two hours or so after. So spent the whole set, uh, day two basically just trying to figure out what the hell was going on and wondering if Wentz had retired or something. Uh, so it was a very, very strange uh, draft experience for me. I've never really been that shocked. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, the first pick was Jalen Rager, someone that we spoke about a lot. We're not going to bring up the whole Rager and Jefferson debate too much. Uh, we spoke all about that pre-draft. This is not a pick that shocked me at all. Uh, I think it's actually quite obvious why the Eagles went with him over uh, Justin Jefferson. It all comes down to scheme fit. It all comes down to what you want to do in your offense. Uh, I think I'll let you start with Rager, seeing as I know you are a massive fan. So what do you think he will bring to this Eagles team sort of in the immediate future and in the long term? Look, let me let me make it quick with the Justin Jefferson stuff. Do you remember what what would number one people say about Justin Jefferson about him playing on the outside? What would they tell you to do? Go and watch twenty eighteen. Okay, so if you can honestly say that you watched Jalen Rieger play in two thousand eighteen, do you not feel confident with this pick? Honestly, playing with Shane Robinson and the quarterback play that they had in two thousand eighteen, it it was just as bad. It it was not as bad as. Max Dugan, a true freshman this year, but it was it wasn't that close to being that awful either. It was it was bad, and he he played very well. He was targeted 131 times, and he only dropped four passes that year. He finished with thousand yards, and nine touchdowns, he forced eleven missed tackles. Look, people buy way too much into the 2019 production to think that Jalen Rieger wasn't worth where he was drafted, but. As people have alluded to, there's been numerous reports. The Saints were considering him at 24. The Titans hinted at taking another wide receiver if it wasn't for Jefferson at 22. Teams thought way more of Jalen Rieger than online did. And a lot of people want to harp on his drop rate from last year. You have to take into account how many times the guy was targeted. So I always see these drop rate percentages on Twitter because it is a 13 uh, percent drop percentage but he wasn't targeted that much he didn't have any chemistry with his quarterback going into the season he played with him on the fly he was a true freshman he wasn't even that good Max Dugan is not an NFL caliber quarterback whatsoever you have to understand how how important and out of context to the situation that chemistry is with these young wide receivers coming out of college with their quarterback so you add a guy in Carson Wentz who was ninth in deep ball accuracy last year 
and you give him a vertical threat in Reeker that he's proven in his 2018 film that he can be, and you see on film in 2019 he would beat his corner routinely and get missed in the pass, can bring that type of vertical threat to the Eagles that they need in the long term. Now, we'll discuss it in the second-round pick what they should have done, I thought, but if you are telling yourself that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can be our possession mod receiver of the future, I disagree, but if you are telling yourself that, Rieger can give you that vertical threat, so now you've given your quarterback a young pairing for a long-term future at wide receiver. So I love the Rieger pick. It fits the exact need that they needed. They are way higher on Rieger than anyone else is. And I I understand that people question the Eagles wide receiver uh, evaluation, but they went out. They didn't mess any time. They selected the wide receiver that they knew was good enough. They knew him from Aaron Moorhead, their wide receiver coach, because he knew Monte Rieger from their time with the Colts. And the Eagles also know Monte Rieger from his time with the Eagles. So they know they're more confident in him and they than us, and they have every right to be. So obviously, like you said, I was really high on Jalen Rieger pre-draft, but the knocks that you hear on him, he's I will admit he will have maybe a frustrating job here in two, but the explosiveness that he brings to an offense and the athlete that he is with his ability to catch outside his frame is going to make the pick completely worth it. And he gives the Eagles exactly what they need to complement their possession guy right now in Zach Ertz. He's going to, you're going to have to be a secondary that takes Jalen Rieger serious, especially given all the fact that all the speed that the Eagles added. Look, I I did not like their second round pick, and we'll get into that in a second, but they hit it out of the park with Jalen Rieger. I don't think the cons that you hear about him are going to be show much in the NFL when he plays with a much more accurate and gets chemistry with his quarterback in Carson Wentz. Your only hope is this pandemic clears up soon so they can start go ahead and start building that chemistry. So they can go ahead and hit that by like midseason. So usually when rookie wide receivers really hit the scene is the midseason anyways. And you had Jalen Rieger being the contributor that your offense needed over the last couple of years and finished better than nine and seven. Yeah, there's lots of good points there. Um, I think it depended on what you want a lot. You know, I've said before, I don't really like doing lists a lot. So people could say I wasn't as high on Rager because he's my wide receiver seven. But in my opinion, I sort of split them up. So there was four receivers I wanted at 21 and I'm ignoring the big three. They've gone. I was Rager and Ayuk. And I see them as like your Z, your movement Z, your vertical threats, or Higgins and Mims. And I saw them as like your downfield explosive X type receivers. So there were two different styles. And I think it depended on what kind of style you wanted to an extent. So if you wanted the X receiver, you go and get Higgins or Mims. Uh, if you wanted the movement Z, I slightly preferred Ayuk. But again, this comes down to philosophy. Um, Ayuk is better after the catch. I think Rager is better downfield vertically. I think the Eagles went with a more vertical uh, ex- play up which I totally get considering their own opinion um I think to be honest we don't need to get in too much about Rager about his strengths because people have heard it time and time again uh, most of us most people listening to this now have read about Rager have seen his highlights it's interesting talking about the negatives though uh because he sounds like a perfect prospect if he listens to what people say so why didn't he go earlier why was he mocked behind Justin Jefferson why do people like Daniel Jeremiah not have him as high as others um and I think it's interesting when you look at the drop rate I'd say the biggest two things are probably the drop rate which was start with um when you see a receiver with drops and i am a big believer that drops are actually overrated which is uh, a bit controversial for eagles fans because we saw Neil Snaggler last year and drops are important you have to catch the ball but you can live with a few drops every so often most receivers will have it um you get a few freaks like larry fitzgerald who barely ever dropped the ball but you want to look at how they drop it uh, are they actually 
getting their hands towards the ball? Are they body catching it? And that stuff is really important. It's massively important. Anyone I know who's studied the wide receiver position closely, you take a basic comeback route. You take a basic 10-yard comeback route and you've got a yard of separation. Or, or you even struggle to get that yard. If you stick your hands out in front of your frame, you can basically create an extra yard of separation. You can catch that ball away from your chest where a defensive back can't even get to you. If you're body catching it in college, yes, you're making the catch, are you actually going to be able to make that catch consistently in the NFL? And what Rager does very well is he's a hands catcher. He's not a body catcher. Go and watch him go up and get the ball, the way he jumps, the way he plucks out of the air. He knows how to catch properly with his hands, which makes me think his drops are concentration-wise. Uh, he's a concentration drop, which is not a good thing, but it's a much better thing than having difficulty catching the football. Rager does not have difficulty catching the football, in my opinion, which is a weird thing to say when he has such a high drop rate. I don't see him as a um, receiver who will drop the ball a lot. You might get a couple of concentration ones, but I think in the NFL, let's be honest, college football is a different ball game. He's playing with a rubbish quarterback. It's college football. He's going to be playing in the NFL. He's going to be playing with people around him that are better. The cornerbacks are going to be better. It's not going to be easy for him. He's going to have to concentrate more. Plus, he's getting paid a lot of money, and there's a lot of money potentially up for grabs. I don't worry as co about concentration drops as much as I worry about a receiver who body catches all the time and struggles to pluck the ball out of the air. And I think Rager has a enough tape to make me feel pretty confident that he can go up and get the ball um, and the only other criticism is route running I see a lot of people saying he's raw which I don't agree with I don't see him as raw there's a few routes where he rounds off he could definitely definitely do that better he occasionally will round off his routes uh, on comebacks and, and stuff but I don't see that as a massive issue um, I think that's a little bit of coaching you can't coach explosiveness you can't coach someone to sort of get out of their stem the way he does at times you can't coach double moves that you saw him run where he he just burns past someone. He takes one step and he is gone. Um, that you can't coach. You can coach the sort of rounding off routes and comebacks and stuff. So to me, he's a classic receiver where the positives outweigh the negatives massively. And I get there's a couple people run about his drops, maybe a bit raw. But yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be very good uh, in the short term because he'll simply have to be because he'll get volume because the Eagles don't have much else at the position. And I think long term, uh, he will continue to develop and eventually be a very, very good uh probably Z receiver who should have that position down, especially next year when Deshaun Jackson goes. And the good thing is as well is he gives you position versatility, which you want. He can go slot, he can go uh, Z as well. So yeah, I think as we said, it's a pretty it was a pretty easy pick to make in my opinion. The question to me was what receiver? There was more than enough talent there available for 21. So I'm pretty confident they made a very, very good choice. Right. And it gives Carson Wentz a long-term playmaker at Z, like you said, because Deshaun Jackson, it's going to be his last season here. Like in Philadelphia, there's I, I wouldn't see any other way around that. Uh, just to, just to me, like you can't really say that he's not a good route runner because TSU ran such a limited route tree concepts, so you really don't know. But his footwork looks like to me of a natural NFL uh, route runner. His double moves are cheat codes. He could really mess you up with his double moves. So I don't know. I like everybody's gonna say here's Connor being hot, really crazy about Jalen Rieger again, and I'm I. I I just like what I see. I think he's going to be a great playmaker for the Eagles. Um, what it's worth as well. Sorry, I can't remember. There was a, there was a quote the other day. You might have backed me up by who said it. I can't remember if it was Kaplan who mentioned that Rager above Jefferson was not just on the Eagles draft board. 
this was not like a one-off thing. There were other teams who had Rager really highly as well, which is interesting because a lot of the analysis pre-draft, Jefferson was guaranteed wide receiver four. And I think we saw on draft day, actually, um, that didn't happen. I think there might have been a few NFL teams that would have taken Rager very, very high as well. So I, I don't buy this idea like you, we could have traded down and got him. I think that is a fallacy. Um, I reckon he'd have gone a few picks after, even if that meant someone moved up to get him. I can't see that he would have still been on the board if the Eagles had moved down. So... The 49ers had um, Brandon Ayuk as their number two wide receiver on the board. Ben Solik said they had the Eagles had Jalen Rieger second on the board behind Jerry Judy, apparently. So it was – I mean, you have to take it into account. The, the pandemic makes everything different. These guys are sitting at home watching the same way these draft analysts are. There's going to be so much difference of opinion because you don't really get to talk to these guys up close and understand, like, why Why did your route running look like it this way at TCU when it, where Jalen Regan can easily say it's because we only ran this many route concepts? So the, I, the media wasn't as in tuned as I think they would like to over the past couple of years because you could see a lot of things were the same on people's draft boards, like you just said. So I don't know. I was, You know me. I was really high on Rieger. Uh I think it's a home run pick, but – yeah, I mean, you pretty much get how we feel about it at this point. We can we can move on to the the second round pick because this is going to be a little bit of a discussion itself. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, there's so much to get into. It's a really really difficult conversation, really, because there's so many different layers. Um, I'm always honest, and for some reason, I've suddenly turned into a negative fan the past week, and I've been accused. And 2017. Completely random draft class. They drafted Pumphrey, Barnett. Uh, I was so negative of that draft class. And I was, I had a podcast at the time. I hated the Pumphrey pick. And if you go back, search my name, look at my mentions, I got killed for the Pumphrey pick. I mean, I didn't like Sidney Jones' pick, uh, in all honesty. And that was unpopular. I didn't really didn't like Razzle Douglas as a pro. Didn't like Barnett. Um, but there's no point having fun on Twitter. There's no point to people reading your stuff and coming on here and talking if you're not honest. My initial reaction, and it hasn't changed, was it was an, an awful pick. And I, I legitimately mean a very bad pick. And I just think it's a terrible allocation of resources for so many different ways. And we all know how hard it is to find late round prospects. We know how difficult that is. When you're sitting there at 53 and there's a lot of room on this roster for prospects, <laughs> we're not the New Orleans Saints who have got a very good roster from top to bottom. There are holes. You could have had a look at Lyamaker if there was someone there you wanted. There's Christian Fulton. You obviously could have drafted. There's a huge need outside corner. Um, and I like Maddox a lot. I don't think he's an outside corner. I think they will struggle there. Um, there was obviously Mims is such a clear need an X receiver if they wanted to make that decision. Um, so even just ignoring the prospect side, there are so many problems with Hurts that there is just so many things to get get into. And before we get into this, because I'm with you, I do not care what they say in public. I do not care what Howie Roseman says. I think there is a part of this that is not about Wentz specifically, but it's about loving this idea of the backup quarterback. Ben Sodak spoke about how Foles has sort of put this idea in the Eagles' head that you can win the backup quarterback. It is so rare. It is so, so rare to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Did you really think? All right, so let's just get it out of the way now just so everybody understands. I'm going to add. I'm going to add context to what I talked to Adam Kaplan on my podcast. Talked to Mark Schofield on my podcast. Talked to a couple guys, Dan Haber. I know. I talked to everybody who had an opinion that I wanted to know about this pick and what the Eagles were thinking. And the context to add to that 
is true, but you can still disagree with it at the same time. So I'm going to say what I felt they're thinking. You could agree with it or not. It's completely up to you because nobody really truly knows what they're planning on doing, and nobody should. It gives them a disadvantage against the opposition next year. So we'll, we'll discuss it and offer our opinions, but if you don't agree with us, then your theory could be just as right as mine, honestly. So we'll get into it a little bit, but I don't agree with it. I'll just come out and straight say they valued this position way too highly in the draft when you had an opportunity to take a Denzel Mims to be your Jeremy Macklin to your Deshaun Jackson for a long-term and Jalen Rieger for your quarterback who's entering his prime and playing at a high level. You you turned away an outside corner who was a proven press corner in the SEC in Christian Fulton. When you don't have Darius Slay after two years, you don't know who your cornerback number two is going into the season. City Jones is a huge what-if. Avante Maddox played nice on the outside his rookie year when he had to fill in through injury. I thought he did. So uh, clearly the Eagles do because they're high enough to not risk it with him out there and go ahead and let him do it and compete with Jones. But you just have such a what-if on the outside corner, and you know that you probably have a two-year window with Darius Slay, and you pass up Christian Fulton. And you don't know what your linebacker situation is going to look like, so you pass on Logan Wilson and other linebackers that were on the board. It's They value the back and quarterback position that much to show you how much they feel about Carson Wentz's durability. Let's just be honest. He hasn't finished when they needed him the most. The eight games out of 64 starts, I completely understand. That's a low number, especially when you compare it to Sean Watson's little roles and all that. I, I can defend Carson Wentz all the time. But Carson Wentz has gotten hurt in college and has gone through spurts where his backup quarterback has come in and won for the team. Carson Wentz has gone through a Super Bowl run where he was hurt after making the Eagles a number one seed in the NFC in the NFC period, making them the Super Bowl contender that they were. And he's been hurt for their whole entire Super Bowl run, saw his backup come in, win the Super Bowl MVP and the Super Bowl while he was on the sidelines. If anybody can handle this situation – it's Carson Wentz. Now, I don't want to get into faith because everybody can believe what kind of faith they want to believe. But you look at this guy who just had his baby. He's a strong believer in Christ. He doesn't let the media really get to him. You don't see a guy that really partakes in this Philadelphia media crazy stuff. He usually is kept to himself and brushes everybody off. If anybody can handle the situation, it's him. But... You look at what was on the board. You look at what I just said to you to make them a better contender than what they are now. And instead, they they use that pick on somebody they hope never has to come in and be their starting quarterback at any point in time with a second-round pick. It's hard to really, really say that this makes sense. It doesn't. Like, I know people are buying into it now. And trust me, I've I've talked about Jalen Hurts on the podcast a ton of time. I like Jalen Hurts. But the knocks that I have on him that were expressed by Mark Schofield in a perfect episode last time really, really made me think that I always thought Jalen Hurts was a play-action type quarterback. And it makes you think that the Eagles think because they they switched their whole entire philosophy over when they got into the playoffs with Nick Foles and started doing the RPO stuff more, and that's pretty much how they won the Super Bowl. They must think that if Jalen Hurts has to come in for Carson Wentz at any time and they're in a competitive state, they can do the RPA, RPO stuff again with Jalen Hurts and win the Super Bowl again with a quarterback like that that can pull it off. I'm not sure Jalen Hurts 
is going to be that established at any time in the future on that four-year contract to the point where Nick Foles was. But, I mean, nobody saw that coming with Nick Foles, and Doug Peterson it was a huge indicator of that. But Doug Peterson always knew Nick Foles from the start of when he got into the league to the point where he was with the Eagles and won that Super Bowl with him. So it they clearly value the backup quarterback position to that point to spend the 53rd pick in, in the draft on him instead of building around your franchise quarterback while he's in his prime and taking advantage of that Super Bowl window that I would argue is closing soon. So I, I, I can't agree with taking him in the second round. I like the prospect, like the quarterback. I understand the context to it. Even if you get him in a Tanson Hill type role, which no matter what, if you do or you don't, defensive coordinators are going to now have to take into consideration that the Eagles have a weapon in Jalen Hurts. And I assume how he was at Alabama when he would run at a direct snap out of shotgun, the Eagles probably mix into their playbook this year if they make him active. So the the throwing off a defensive coordinator like that, I understand the value in that, but it's not worth the 53rd pick. And you're really hoping you never have to see your second round pick play. So it's hard to, I, I can't be completely sold on it. As much as I like Hertz, as much as I understand the context behind getting insurance behind Carson Wentz, it's a tough sell to use that premium pick to do so. And you sent a message to your quarterback that we'll spend this high of a draft pick on your position after we just gave you a huge contract because we feel a little bit differently now after watching the wild card game against the Seahawks where we're that confident that we can plug in a guy with mobility that can run an RPO type system and win the Super Bowl with him like we did with Nick Foles out of nowhere, which I think is a risk because Jalen Hurts is not gonna, is not a clean prospect enough to do stuff that Nick Foles did. And it's a fluke. It, it, it was lucky. We luck, we're Eagles fans. That was one of the best nights of our life, if not the best night of most of our lives, okay? It was a bit lucky. Not the Super Bowl. Foles was outstanding in the Super Bowl. But the Falcons game, he was downright awful. And if you go back a little bit about Foles as well, because I've seen people talk about how Doug sort of developed Foles and they weren't very good for a long period of time. The week 17 game, when they played the whole first half, they were terrible. Week 16 game, he was terrible. Uh, first round of playoffs, he was bad. Yeah. And also just... It's lightning in a bottle. It's lightning in a bottle. It it, it, it literally is. Yes. You literally... Because... Johnny, they went, they went into they went into the playoffs and they did the Chip Kelly concepts with Nick Foles. If everybody remembers, they went they went into the RPOs thing. So, honestly, you watched Jalen Hurts, correct? You watched enough of him on college. You do you believe Jalen Hurts can? If you if you go back and watch the tape and you think in your head, can Jalen Hurts run their RPOs? What do you say? Yeah, I funny enough, you literally stole my stole my point in a good way. It shows you're on the same wavelength. The idea of Doug developing Foles. It's rubbish. He, he didn't run his offense. He ran a ton of Kelly concepts as well. He ran RPOs. It was a bit, they got, as you said, lightning in the bottle. They changed their style towards the end of the season. Teams didn't have very long to prepare for it. Um, they had some very good games on defense. I do believe Jalen Hurts can run that style of offense to an extent. Okay, so to, And I say to an extent because I watched him quite a bit and I like watching quarterbacks. For a start, if you're a quarterback and you don't go in the first round, the NFL was telling you, they don't think you are a starter. I don't care what Harry says. I don't care what he thinks they're going to get through in trade bait later on. I don't care how many teams need a quarterback. 
if you are a good quarterback that the that the NFL scouts value you as very, very good, they will draft you in the first round. You don't get out the first. Tua went fifth overall with a horrendous injury condition, okay, horrendous injury history. The Packers found a way to take Jordan Love. And by the way, whether you believe him or not, Green Bay's um, general manager said Jordan Love was not the target. They wanted receivers. He just happened to be there. Patriots, Steelers, all these people could have drafted quarterbacks if they really needed one, okay? So... Already, you know he's raw. Because quarterbacks don't go in the second round if they're ready-made prospects. He's got issues with mechanics, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's got issues with anticipation. You're going to have to run an offense that is extremely well-scripted. You're going to have to have see-it-type, um, one-read-type throws. He doesn't get through his reads very quickly. Yes, he's obviously a very, very good athlete, but he's not a freak athlete. He's a very, very good runner. He's not Lamar Jackson. You're not running the Ravens offense. I keep seeing this idea we'll run. No, he's, he's not Lamar Jackson. Um, and also, by the way, he's had issues fumbling as well, um, which is not ideal if you are Lamar Jackson, um, obviously, if you're running that kind of offense. Um, so you're right. He could run a one-read style RPO-based system with the Eagles, where they do a lot, a bit of, a lot of sort of easy reads, keep it simplistic on him. But this is where there's so many layers to this debate. And I don't even know if you've seen every day there's a new quote that I just shake my head at. If you if you if you have to make this much talk about something, it, it's not good. Then honestly, if you have to defend it to this point, you know, like, look, we kind of fucked up. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it, it's I'm not gonna say they messed because they're taking Jalen Hurst no matter what. But look, when I say that he can do the RPO stuff, I don't think he can do it his rookie year. It, it's difficult in the NFL because look. The reads are one read, of course, but you have to know where to go with the football, and he is accurate. So I can understand like why they decided that it would be this quarterback because he does have, offer the mobileness. He does offer – I mean, excuse me, the mobility. I don't think mobileness is a word. He does show off the accuracy in intermediate passes for sure. But the thing that I have with him that I'm like, this needs to be corrected in the NFL, and I, I don't know if – like Doug Peterson is there, but their quarter, the rest of the staff has been wishy-washy and – inconsistent and they keep cycling through it now so can these rich um the scandrello guy that they just got from denver that's gonna be helping with doug pearson's here he they had to get rid of him as soon as they could because he couldn't develop lock they felt in denver so i don't i don't think they besides peterson i don't know if they could really develop him to do this stuff but they clearly believe that he has the quarterback skill set it takes to run an rpo offense to go another run with and it, it just shows in his tape he doesn't throw many interceptions. I thought he looked – when he went to Lincoln Riley's offense, I thought he became a way better natural thrower in Oklahoma's system. But there's still a lot – he has a hitch in his throw. He holds on to the ball for a, for a time like three seconds. It, a lot of this has to change before he can go out there and win the Eagles a Super Bowl if Carson Wentz goes down. And you just – it's the 53rd pick in the draft. Like, so it's – People aren't going to like that because I get it. You want to win a Super Bowl. And if Jalen Hurts can can do that, of course, and once goes down, so be it. I like the quarterback, and I'm happy with the, the team winning the Super Bowl. But I'm telling you, this is what this is what they're saying. You Actions speak louder than words, and this is what they're showing you is if Carson Wentz goes down, we're prepared for it because we got the RPO quarterback to run the system that we want to run when we were in the postseason, because like you said, they weren't doing much of this stuff with Nick Foles towards the end of the season, and it looks awful. They go into the postseason and completely flip on a switch with the RPO stuff and Chip Kelly concepts, 
and they won the Super Bowl with it. They look completely different. Nick Foles looked completely different finishing the 2017 season than he did in the, in the postseason. So yeah, and also on Nick Foles as well, because we're not going to get a Nick Nick Foles debate. But Nick Foles is a weird quarterback because his his highs were unbelievably high. Now there's this idea now that Foles sucks and Foles is terrible, and he's proved he's not very good. Foles has been the same quarterback since he was in college. He's a third round pick for a reason. Go watch his rookie year with Andy Reid. His numbers were bad. He played well. He played really well. He comes out next year, goes 27-2. and two. He has bad moments. He gets injured. His Chip Kelly sort of, uh, it all went. But Nick, my point is, Nick Foles was not your generic random backup who's not very good. Nick Foles was a legitimate uh, player who had the ability to be a starter in a certain offense on a certain day. His lows are incredibly low and his highs are incredibly high. So he can never be a routine starting quarterback. I don't think so anyway. You do not want Nick Foles playing 17 games for your team. But the idea that Jalen Hurts will just come in and replicate that is is bizarre. Foles was actually a very competent player in the pros and Hurts has a long, long way to go. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This is what I was going to bring up a second ago. Um, Mike Garofolo was on WIP or whatever about an hour ago or two hours ago whenever I just saw the quote and he said that and again he could be wrong but they seem to have a different piece of opinion coming out every day he said that Howie Roseman wants him to play right away at QB wide receiver and running back and then in three years time they flip him for a first round pick that logic to me is just there's so many layers to it uh, it's hard to get your head around he, he's, oh, he's not he's not that because Look, Tamsin Hill, if he if Jalen Hurts plays a Tamsin Hill role, that means your second round pick paid twenty three percent of the season snaps. If that's what you're telling me. Because Tamsin Hill played twenty three percent of the Saints offensive snaps and he was an undrafted free agent. Jalen Hurts is your fifty third pick in your in the second round. Yeah. I will disagree on one thing though. I see this quite a lot, and I'll disagree with you slightly actually on this bit. Is I actually think Taysom Hill is incredibly valued. And valuable to the Saints, sorry. I think he's more valuable than people realise when you just look at his snap counts. I think if you watch him, he's a really, really interesting player. But this brings me to another one of my points. Oh, no, I I agree with you because you have to take account for that as a defence. And I like that mystery that you can bring. And he's good. He's a good athlete. Jalen Hurts isn't the athlete that Taysom Hill is, though, like we said. This brings me to another one of my points that I wanted to mention. And if you go on my timeline, um, actually, page nine today, whatever it is, 29th, um, I broke down a PFF a Pro Football Focus thread, which I like Pro Football Focus. I genuinely, I use their stuff quite a bit to look at. I thought this article was awful, and I'm being brutally honest. I think that whoever wrote it got it completely wrong. And they spoke at one point about uh, Tatum Hill's expected points, how, however they work this stuff out. And there's so many things that go into it. Stats are, obviously, as we know, they provide part of the picture. And he had the fourth highest expected points in the whole league last year. But Breeze was second. So you could talk about how good Taysom Hill is. Well, yeah, but is Taysom Hill that good? Or is Taysom Hill that good because he's at the Saints system where Sean Payton is an absolute master, where Michael Thomas catches 140 balls? Is Taysom Hill Taysom Hill outside of that offense? No, probably not. Um, And the other thing is the idea that he's going to be as good as Taysom Hill in this article I mentioned. You're talking about the guy who was the fourth highest expected points in the whole league. And everyone just assumes, take, oh, but Jalen Hurts will be better. He'll be a better version. The odds of him being a better version, if you're going to use him as a gimmick, is very low. Lamar Jackson was a gimmick player his first year. And Lamar Jackson's the best athlete, the quarterback position we've seen since Michael Vick. And he wasn't even that successful as a role player. So the, the idea he's going to come in this year... And what annoys me as well is I do genuinely think, and I'd be really interested to be a fly on the wall of their discussions, 
whether there's a bit of disconnect between Doug and Howie here. Because Howie always says, oh, he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. And then you hear Doug sort of come out and say, we've looked at how they use Taysom Hill. And I'm thinking, how are you going to develop this guy in limited reps? When you get him on the practice field, what do you want him to do day one? Are you going to install him as a quarterback who is purely a backup, who shouldn't even be on the active roster, dare I say, because he's too raw to be a backup quarterback. So you're probably going to have Sudfield as the two next year. How are you going to develop a wide receiver, a running back uh, in these RPOs? It's very difficult to try and do two things at once. That's why Taysom Hill is not going to be the future quarterback for the Saints. He's not. Clearly, he doesn't throw the ball well enough. They've just signed Jameis Winston, by the way, who could be. Taysom Hill is a bit part player. So is Jalen Hurts going to be a part-time player or is he going to be a quarterback? I sort of feel like you need to decide what you're going to do with him so you can actually train him in a certain position because you're going to really struggle to develop a raw prospect at a quarterback if you're not even giving him the necessary reps to develop because you're using him um, in a different system because you're making him do these sort of trick plays, these gadget plays. And the last thing I will mention on this because I think it's a really important point. When people talk about Taysom Hill and Breeze and they're right about this, they very, very, very often mention red zone. Red zone is a big reason why you draft um, these sort of running quarterbacks. I think red zone is a, makes a big difference. When you're on the goal line, when the formation is condensed, having a power running quarterback, look at Cam Newton, he revolutionized that position. It's a massive, massive importance. The problem is Carson Wentz is insanely good in the red zone. And I'll tell you that some stats about this earlier on. Bear in mind, last year, the Eagles had about the least amount of receiver weapons you'll ever see at a team. In terms of red zone percentage, so turning red zone trips into touchdowns, he was quarterback four. No, sorry, the Eagles were about, I think, fourth best offense or in the top. Sorry, I'm getting these numbers wrong. I think the top eight, eighth best offense in the league. And in terms of touchdowns and interceptions, Wentz was quarterback four. Two years ago, Wentz was quarterback three. The past three years, Wentz has 60 touchdowns, 60, one interception in the red zone. So why are you even considering bringing this guy off the field? Because if you had like a Drew Brees, I get the Taysom Hill component. You do not want Drew Brees at 39, whatever years old he is, running a quarterback sneak. You can't use him on the edge. You can't get him outside the pocket. We're talking about Wentz like he's a stick, like he's a statue. Wentz is going to be another year removed next year from his ACL. I think his mobility will be even better. ACLs take a whole year to get over it. He's 27 years old. I saw um, a football injury doctor, a guy called Dr. Edwin Porras, who happens to be working for Fantasy Pros now, hence why I suddenly followed him. He's done a whole thread yesterday on how if you look at Carson Wentz's background, you go back to college, you go back to the pros, he is not at any more risk than any other starting quarterback, in his opinion. He said a lot of his injuries have been unlucky. So when you look at that, you think, well, why the hell are you taking Wentz off in the red zone? So I don't think they will. So then it gets to, well, when are these package plays actually going to happen? When are you actually going to use Jalen Hurts in these great uh, packages that we keep talking about? And I actually don't think they will. I, you might get two plays a game. I think he'll be developed as a backup quarterback. And I think that is what it will be. And assuming Wentz doesn't get hurt and people forget I think recently how good Wentz is. There is about a 0.01% chance, in my opinion, he ever overtakes Wentz as a starter. The only way I see that happening is actually that they they pissed off Wentz so much. He says, you know what? Get me out of here. Um, that's the only way I can see it, really. Except for that, I see him being an, a, hopefully an average backup quarterback. And if you're lucky... You trade him in three years' time for about the same value you got. And we spoke about this before where as well. People want young quarterbacks because they're on a rookie scale. If you trade for Jalen Hurts in three years' time, you've got to pay him because he's due a contract at the end of that year. So the only time Jalen Hurts is cheap is now. The next team 
why are they going to trade for Jalen Hurts when they can draft their own rookie who's going to be very cheap? Because there's going to be another Jalen Hurts every year. There'll be another Jalen Hurts next year. Why would a team want to trade a second or a first for a guy who doesn't get starter snaps to come in as their number one option in uh, two or three years' time? So I understand the pick. I'm not saying I don't get it. People can say, oh, look at this reason, look at that reason. Trust me. And I'm not lying. I have read every single thing I could possibly read. I have read every article that has ever come out about Jaden Hurt. I'm trying to understand it. And like you said, I get it. I get the context. I get why it's an Eagles philosophy to be obsessed with a backup quarterback. I get why Doug likes it. I get why how he gets it. I get the whole thing about they can develop quarterbacks, which I don't believe in, but I get it. I get it. And despite all that, I think it is a bad pick and that is my opinion and I don't think that will ever change because the allocation of resources it does not make sense in my opinion to draft that player at 53 and we haven't even touched once by the way not once because we're not going to go on about Jalen Hurts for two hours about Carson Wentz's mental state and you are right Carson Wentz will I think take this as well as anyone I think Wentz is an incredibly tough physical uh, mental player who gets on with it and he's faced criticism and he's always rebounded back but we are not psychologists and we don't know Wentz he is a human being like all of us there is absolutely no way he was not pissed off by that draft pick there is no way if anything I think Wentz massively values a veteran in the locker room I think he would probably want Josh McCown back I think he really liked bouncing ideas off McCown if you watched it or nothing McCown was like a QB coach it's gonna be the other way around now Hurts isn't going to go onto the sideline. Sorry, Wentz is going to go, oh, Jesus Christ. Wentz is going to go onto the sideline, get them confused, and then go, oh, Hurts, what went wrong there? What do you think? He's not He's not going to trust a rookie's opinion as to what he's seeing on the field. He's going to want to go and find someone else. He's well, Where's Pres Taylor? Uh, can we re-sign Josh McHale? And I'm half joking, but I think a lot of what Wentz wants in a backup quarterback is a man who he trusts his opinion, who has seen it, who has been there and done it, and can talk to him about that situation. Sudfield and Hurts, do not give Wentz that guy at all. So you can guarantee Wentz was pissed off when they drafted him with a second pick. You can almost, you can guarantee, I think Howie even admitted it in an interview yesterday. He said it wasn't a comfortable conversation. So from a future of team building, of roster building, of team getting along, of anonymous sources staying stuff, wait till training camp if it ever happens. Wait till someone leaks a report saying Hertz is playing better than Wentz in training camp. It will guarantee to happen. And if it doesn't happen, someone will make up a report because that's what a lot of people would do in the media to talk about this thing. There is no way you have created a good, stable culture in that locker room with that pick. So there's so many reasons why I oppose the pick. There's almost too many to get into. But I genuinely feel for Wentz. I think Wentz had complete control of this team. And he still does, don't get me wrong. But when he's thrown an interception, is he, and I, put, I tweeted this the other day, is he going to risk that third down throw into a tight window? Or is he going to think, you know what, I've already thrown a pick this game. There's a second round pick on the bench. Maybe I'll move on to my next read. And that could be the difference between completing a pass on third and 12 and not completing the pass. Instead, he takes a check down. I don't think Wentz is that kind of player. But I don't think it's good for quarterbacks to ever be looking over their shoulder the whole time. I don't think it's a good environment for a quarterback. The right environment is a player like Josh McCown and not him because he is too old. But a player who, when you make a mistake, you can go to the sideline and say, listen, you've been here. You've thrown that interception. You've been in a playoff game. Can you help me get through this? And I actually think Foles was valuable for that I think McCowan was valuable for that I don't see anyone in the Eagles locker room currently who's going to help Wentz on the sideline which is a whole other aspect I don't think we're even going to talk about now but you don't see that aspect covered very much so yeah that's me done I think I'm out on, on Jalen Hurts I'm not going to write about it, I'm going to talk about it.
Hello, my fellow sports fanatics. If you are like me and love talking about sports, I have the perfect app for you. It's called U Stadium, a social media app dedicated to sports, which allows you to talk about each league with fellow fans, get instant breaking news notifications straight to your phone, and debate the sports we all love. Download the app with either Apple App Store or Google Play Store and join discussions about your favorite team or the rest of the leagues. U-Stadium has contests and point systems to win real prizes like an NFL jersey of your choice. You can find U-Stadium on Twitter and Instagram at U-Stadium, U-S-T-A-D-I-U-M, for more information. Log on to U-Stadium today and join me as we talk about sports. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. With what they, a lot of people, the fans get this all messed up where they have to obey their loyalty to their team and decide to hop on with what they do. Which, if that's your fan mentality, that's fine. But I, you, I'm finally disagreeing with what they did. Like, I disagree with a couple of things that they've done over the couple of years. It doesn't change anything. Like, sometimes I'm right, sometimes they're right. Like, it's that's the way evaluations work. And I don't, I the value that they put behind this pick just wasn't worth it for me. But we can't. We just have to move on. That we can talk forever about this Jalen Hurts situation. But I know you're not that high on this guy. There's there's parts of me that like get sold on it, and then there's parts of me I'm like, oh, I don't know if I trust this team. But Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado, at in the third round at 103, I can pretty much consider that a high fourth round pick. His athletic traits are basically what the NFL is going with at linebacker nowadays. You have to be able to cover and have the unbelievably quick ability to cover the flats for linebackers, especially when the Eagles that want to do the uh, four, two, five schemes a lot. So they're selling themselves on his athletic potential and given how raw he is, they think that they can mold him into a linebacker. He's at Colorado. He was really covering the slot. The majority of his time there, it, it wasn't like they were using him to his correct skill set anyway. So you have to think that the Eagles and their scouts are watching his film and think, well, this is how we'll plug him into our defense. And this is how, we think he'll transfer over here for enough then to be sold to use the 103rd pick on him, especially over a linebacker like Akeem Davis Gaither, who I really liked. Um, his tackling's good, so that gives you one thing over Nate Gary already off the bat. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's just raw. So he's just incredibly raw, which is what you came out on Twitter and said. I don't know if I trust Kemp the Joel. I don't know if I trust Jim Shorts to develop a young linebacker because they haven't proven to me that they could. And neither has the Eagles organization over the long period of time. Jordan Hicks is like the only linebacker I could think of that they drafted in the uh, one of the first two days of the draft and who's really panned out. Michael Kendricks had such an on-and-off career with the Eagles as is. They, I don't know if I could trust them with this evaluation yet to say that this is a good pick. But look – he, like I said, his athletic traits transfer to what the, what the NFL is doing now. It is the linebackers and the two linebackers on the field, and that's what the Eagles want to do. Uh, he fits that athletic mold for them. If they can mold him into being a true three-down linebacker, then they got someone that can tackle and they got someone that's quick and can cover the flat. That's what they needed, so I, I can't really hate on it too much. I know that you obviously know, as I do myself, that he's a huge project, and like I alluded to, I don't know if I can trust them with that, but uh, – I'm not that down on this pick as everybody else is. I, I, I For those reasons, if they can get that out of him by some miracle, uh, I do like his transition over to being the Eagles linebacker. And honestly, 
he has the highest potential of that whole entire linebacker room, which isn't saying much, but you have to admit it is the truth. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Taylor. Um, and this is where I guess again perspective comes into it because you're right on Twitter. Um, I probably seem negative about him, and I. And again, it depends. You're right. If you look at him as an early fourth round pick, I sort of get it. I see him as a third round pick, which is unfair. He was a late third round pick. And in my opinion, you want ideally a potential starter, ideally, and they're probably a backup. The issue with Taylor is sort of just, he, and I think I'd actually, I'd love to ask Howie this question. Like, be honest, how highly do they value special teams? Because he's a really good athlete. So he's going to be good on special teams. When you've got a six foot, 228 guy who can run how he can run. And I'm not just talking about the 4.49, uh, whatever he ran. Apparently he ran a 4.39 on his pro day or whatever. But when you watch him, he's fast. I mean, he's seriously fast in a straight line. He can get side to side. Um, so on special teams, you would imagine, because as you mentioned, he's got decent tackling technique as well, he will be exceptionally good on special teams. Um, the issue I have with him is partly down to the scheme that uh, they ran there, as we spoke about before. Um, but when people say, like, oh, our prospect's raw, I think he's sort of like a new le- like a new level of raw. I think he's ages away from being able to start. And, I, and I, I'm talking two, three years. I don't see him competing as a starting linebacker for a good amount of time. And there's a huge issue for me, which is instincts and I think there's a whole other discussion to have and literally and I want to write about this actually at some point in the week about how the Eagles valued athleticism this year because they've been so undervaluing it in recent years and I actually agree with that philosophy I get it they have spent too long drafting slow players that aren't athletic so this year they just went mental and drafted a ton of athletic players I get that but there's a reason why for a linebacker who let's be honest most predicted to go fourth or fifth round very few had him in the as a third round pick now if you're that good as an athlete why are you not going earlier he's not going earlier because his instincts are pretty awful and i've seen quite a lot of um obviously there's only one game on youtube where you can actually watch him every play but there are other games on pac 12 network that i found out to how i watch a little bit more of him um and there's just a few plays every game where he gets killed by play action and although he's athletic he actually there's a lot of wasted movement so he doesn't look quick because he's thinking you can almost see his brain um struggling to work out where to go and i spoke to a few people the other day actually um off air on a play of his that really bothered me against oregon it's right at the start of the game you can see it early on it's second and 29 and it's a really hard play if you go on youtube type in um davion taylor versus i think it's versus oregon it's about 30 seconds into the clip and there's a play where it's second and 29 and i think it's hard to see about all, all 22 they're in cover four and he's responsible for the flat he gets killed by play action and he's a hard read by the way because he's quite central he's got to get out to the flat but he's so slow to react to play action and this ball gets thrown over his head the slot receiver's running like a deep out and he gets thrown in that gap between him as the flat defender and the corner as the deep sort of zone in cover four if you can picture what i'm saying that ball goes right in between the two of them and the second i saw this play i'm thinking it's second and 29 is second and 29 why are you biting on play action on second and 29 let them run if you're slow to get to the carrier oh no they're third and 23 they're third and 20 you do not drop that slow and when you watch him in comparison to the other two linebackers they're so much quicker out of their depth with him and that one play sometimes when you watch prospects it's really annoying sometimes it's for a good reason you watch a play and you become obsessive one play or you watch a negative play and for me it showed what I'd seen before and what I worried about him, that his 
sort of eye discipline is bad in coverage. He's far too reactive. And what that means is when he gets it right, he will look awesome because he'll see the play coming. He'll get to the ball carrier. And with that athleticism, when he reads it, game over. He'll get there. He'll tackle you in the flat. If you're throwing it to the running back in the flat and he predicts it, you're done. He will get there. So he'll have splash plays. But for every splash play he'll have, there'll be a play where teams will target him. Don't get me wrong. If he starts if he starts early in the season, teams will run play action a ton at him. They will run the receivers in behind him on slant routes all the time because he hasn't his instincts are just not there and it's not his fault. He, the guy played football for like two years, which is ridiculous. I mean, when you think about it, that's just not playing much football. So it's not surprising that his instincts are all out. So we don't need to get into much more, to be honest, because that's sort of how I feel about him. I think he's an incredible athlete. I think he'll be great on special teams. I think he's got a long way to go to contribute. So I'm a little bit more negative because I'd like maybe a third round pick to be slightly more advanced in development. But I think worst case scenario, you've got a great special teams player. Do you want that early day uh, four late, sorry, early round four, late round three? Not really, but it's not the end of the world. It's not going to set you back loads. At least he should be very good on special teams. I just, I worry a lot about his instincts in coverage. And yeah, that's just my two cents on him. That's tough to sell to the fan base so that you think you're because it's true the second round and third round pick you just used that are i would consider premium picks still are completely raw players that you aren't going to see play their rookie years that's tough you saw how miles sanders was the eagles best vertical threat last year and they're obviously their best runner at the same time and he was their second round pick you you're relying i mean he's the only one that really gave you most andre dillard came in and i mean his stats weren't great but at context of the situation, he wasn't awful, but... We'd have been awful last year about Sanders. We would have been a train wreck towards the second half of the season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, won't go to, we don't go to the playoffs. The Eagles don't go to the playoffs, yeah. Is he only... I mean, yeah, second... Day two is so important, and, uh, yeah, it's difficult because uh, I think people can say, did day three from how we saved day two? No, it didn't, because day three is a lot of players that... I mean, like, we're going to talk about Hightower. I like him. But he's a day three player for a reason. The odds of him coming in and being a pro receiver are unlikely. He's a day three player. Day two, you've got to make your money. And me personally, and people can disagree with my evaluations of Taylor, um, and I get that, but I've struggled to see how anyone can show me tape where he is instinctive. And actually, what a lot of people will show is they'll show a clip of him seeing a running back in the flat and him ch chasing him down. I go, brilliant. That's just because he's just following the football. That's not being instinctive. If you always just follow your eyes... A broken clock's right every so often. 50% of the time, guess what? If they're not running misdirection, he looks great. But the time when they are running misdirection, and you can see them targeting him. You can see in snaps. I mean, um, there's a play that was going around Twitter the other day that I tweeted that someone gave him credit because he broke up a pass on a screenplay. Um, but if you watch it, the play was deliberately targeted at him. The guy he was covering faked a block and then leaked into the back of the end zone because they knew he would bite on the screen pass. And guess what? He, he bit. Now, if, he's, if college OCs are target him, you can guarantee if he starts anytime soon, he will be picked on. So in my opinion, day two was a bit of a train wreck this year, which is a, a real shame, obviously. Uh, the good news is I'm hope, very, very hopeful day one was a real, um, we get a real star there. And I do think day three, they did manage to pull themselves here a little bit and save it. All right. So Kayvon Wallace, fourth round out of Clemson. Uh, he was my seventh ranked safety in this draft class, honestly. So getting him in the fourth, the value that they got him with in that pick uh, makes up for the second round almost for me if I have to go off my rankings. So 
the reason why I like Wallace, I will, I don't know about you. I'm not that high in Will Parks. I mean, I know what the type of player he was in Denver. He wasn't like starter material anyways. He's great depth to have for a team that struggles with safety death mightily. But they're going to play Jalen Mills no matter what anybody says, no matter how anybody feels about him. Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. They, they went out of their way and gave him $5 million. They're going to put him on the field. So he's going to be more of the Malcolm Jenkins replacement, but at the same time more in coverage. So you add Kayvon Wallace in, who I think he's such a jack-of-all-trades safety. Um, I love it, honestly. I would love him in the box. He can do the single high stuff if needed. Only issue I have with him and probably why he fell so far is he struggles running vertically with wide receivers. It's not – it's it's rough, to say the least. So I could think of a couple of times when Rasul Douglas got beat by the, uh, Stephon Diggs last year in Minnesota. It, a lot of that was a blown coverage by Malcolm Jenkins too. If Kayvon Wallace is the same situation, I'm not really convinced that touchdown still doesn't happen. But there's a lot to like about him. He doesn't miss tackles. 18 missed tackles on his last 171 attempts. Uh, coverage is I – I mean, a lot of people think it's amazing. I think the stats say it's amazing, so that's why everybody refers it to be amazing. I think it can be better. But, again, you got a guy who can play single high in the box, uh, line up in the slot. Just exactly what the Eagles needed in the type of versatility and a player to replace Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, he was my seventh-ranked safety of the draft. I love the value here. He might – there. you hope that the Eagles can get at least two to three decent starters out of this draft. He's probably going to be your second. Yeah, I would love to know – and I'm not going back to Debbie on Taylor, but I'd love to know how they took Taylor above Wallace. Um, just when I watched Wallace's tape, I was there thinking – and I'm not doubting Howie, and I might come across as negative. I mean, honestly, go on my Twitter. I'm a massive Howie Roseman fan. I'm a huge Harry Roseman fan. I've defended him. I wrote an article for um, my own blog before I got picked up by BGN saying when the Eagles gave personnel control to Chip Kelly, it was the worst thing they've ever done because Howie was a brilliant general manager and Chip will basically screw it up. And I'll be honest, I think I got that one pretty right. I'm a big fan of Howie. But what this has got something – I just spoke about instincts, and I love speed. I've said for years the Eagles are slow, but instincts do matter. Why do instincts matter? Because instincts make you faster. If you're fast, but you're slow to react, you're not fast. It sounds simple, but I think sometimes people forget it. Wallace actually – he tested really well, but he, he tested really well to an extent. His 40 wasn't great, and you see that on tape. Like you said, he will struggle to carry speed on deep patterns. I don't really see him as a cornerback. I've seen some actually see him as like a slot cornerback. I don't think that at all. I think he's a safety who can come down and play in nickel if he has to. Um, but I don't see him as like a future starting slot cornerback. Um, because of what we said, he's not the fastest. You don't want him in man coverage with some of the shifty wide receivers. They will um, win against him, I think, consistently. But he's perfect for that sort of fluid safety where he can come and diagnose uh, plays against the run. He can sort of read the play well. He's very, very instinctive. He's really fluid. He's one of those athletes just it's incredibly fluid um, and he attacks the ball well. He has the instincts that I watch someone like Taylor and think, I mean, if you were to ask how they understand their relative positions, Wallace understands what he's doing on a different spectrum to someone like Taylor in terms of understanding where to be in terms of route combinations. You see Wallace on tape jump routes because he's, looking at what the root combinations are. You can almost see him. He knows where the ball's going because he's recognised, right, we're in this defence, they're running this concept, they're going to throw it to him. And there's a few famous examples of him sort of nearly jumping picks and um, where he just sees it and he goes. Um, I have a bit of a hot take here, which I rarely do. I would not be surprised 
to see Jalen Mills playing outside cornerback reps next year quite early on because Wallace is good enough to start in that position. And I say that not because they're going to be anti-Mills, but I really think they have a whole outside cornerback at the moment. I don't believe for a second when the Eagles go up against a team with two big outside wide receivers, they are going to stick Avante Maddox on a six foot four, whoever it is. Let's say you play the Lions. I don't even know if they're on their schedule. And you've got Marvin Jones on one side and Kelly Goddard on the other. Brilliant. Go and put Darius Slay on uh, Kenny Goddard. Do you really think Avante Maddox is going to hang with people like Marvin Jones, who vertically is excellent? I would not be surprised if they push Mills outside to corner in certain games because they actually think Wallace is good enough to start. I completely agree with you. I think he is the most likely of anyone else except Rager to actually be a starter in this defense. And I think everything you read about him is he is team captain. Everyone likes him. He could prop because the thing about the Jenkins role, which makes Jenkins so good, is Jenkins Jenkins was so instinctive. If Jenkins was to run a combine now, you think he tests like a good athlete? And no way. No way. Jenkins wouldn't run in a particularly good uh, 40 time. He, he's getting on. But he was so instinctive. He read plays. He knew where to be. He could come in the box. I'm hoping that Wallace can t- develop into a similar player. And I do wonder if he's actually going to be good enough to start early. And if that's the case, yeah, a bit of a random take. You might end up seeing Mills back at corner, uh, maybe quicker than, than some people wanted, because I think it's a way to get Wallace on the field more if the Eagles choose to do that. So, yeah, I think for the value, day four, for day three, fourth round, I think it's a really, really good value. I don't really know why he fell. I wonder if it's because he's sometimes jack of all trades players get knocked down because some coaches just don't want a jack of all trades player versatility can be overrated in some people's minds i don't care if you can do three things what can you do well some coaches think like that so i reckon that combined with his sort of poor 40 time might make you wonder if that's why he fell but i think it's the eagles win because the eagles play a scheme that suits him i think he's a perfect fit for what they do here so i'm really excited to see how he develops the big worry is whether he'd actually get any training time this year but that's out of our hands obviously i think from a point of view of where he was drafted i think he's a really really good pick poor 40 time and the makeup speed is why i felt he fell i mean it's just the NFL where we everything is it's a passing league and having poor mega speeds gonna knock you down some draft boards. But like you said, the instincts are there. Uh, I definitely believe he can replace Jenkins. The, the best thing about it, I, I know you hit on the Mills and moving on the corner. I, in some certain games and matchups, to allow them to. They're going to. I feel like I don't, I don't think that's a question. I don't know if he's gonna be the full time outside corner again, but I, I mean they're gonna you're gonna see different guys on the field, and that's what they try to do. You see these guys like Marcus Epps step out there. You see Corey Graham out there. You see all these guys that they, they get uh, Jonathan Cypri and they get the third safety, the Andrew Sadejos. I can go on. I'm just going to stop myself there, though. But you see all these third safeties that they keep using, and none of them work. So now they finally stacked up the safety position to finally get the three best to play, to play moving forward. And look, they thought Malcolm Jenkins lost a step. That's it's clearly they feel like his speed was down to the point where we're not going to pay you anymore, the more money you want, or extend you longer when we feel like your your better days are behind you. So we're going to go ahead and get you get rid of you. It's going to be one year too early. Okay, fine. Rather it be the one year too late. And now they get Wallace, who's at this point in their both of their individual lives. I'm not saying Kevon Wallace will be as good as Michael Jenkins. I'm not saying he's better than him right now, but he's shiftier and more athletic right now. So that's what they decided to do and. Look, I get it. I, I think that's why he fell all the way to the fourth round. Um, but I really think that he's going to give them 
a huge impact in the future start on the defense. I, I love the Kia one ballas pick. I love it. What? All right, so we'll talk about Jack Disco for just a second because we don't want to keep moving on with the episode. Uh, basically, what you do here is you draft an interior island that has shown a ton of stuff at the SEC level and pass rushing ability. And excuse me, pass blocking ability. Uh, Brandon Brooks' look has been banged up the last couple of years. The anxiety stuff. I know that they just they just gave him a huge extension. And look, he is. I think he's their best offensive lineman, in my opinion. Anyways. Um, you want to keep him as long as you can, but if the injuries keep piling up, they might move on from him next year. I mean, and, the, and when the cap cuts start getting to make real serious, and then you can move Jack Driscoll in them with him, maybe, perhaps. I don't know if he's going to be that good. Or Kelsey retires. I mean, excuse me, Jason Kelsey retires. You move, say, Omalu in the center, and then you put Driscoll at left guard. I don't, that may be what they're thinking, but they need a better interior death anyways. Matt Pryor is a huge raw prospect. He looked good in spots last year, but he's not ready at this point. Uh, you get a more rounded guy in, in Driscoll who has some certain potential and Stalin gets his hands on him. So you can't argue with that. And I don't want to act like I, anything's wrong with anxiety, Brandon Brooks' anxiety. He's a phenomenal human being, and I have no issue with any of that whatsoever. I was just saying you at this point with his injuries, you don't know with how much they're paying him, how much longer they want to hold on to him. They have some cap issues coming up next year. So, addressing the interior line was a must that they had to do, and they felt in the fourth round when they took their major needs that they had on their board, they can go ahead and just interior now, and they did that with Driscoll, who has some pass blocking ability. So, John Hightower now, Johnny, I know you and I have spoken about him before. Uh, I raved about him a couple times. To me, he's the next John Brown. Um, I think this is a guy that will just be a vertical threat, and that's it, a one-trick pony for you, but... That's what the Eagles needed. They needed the one-trick pony. You saw when they had Torrey Smith in 2017, who I thought didn't offer much of an impact besides keeping the defense honest because of his speed. It opened up the offense so much. And I know that you want that in Rieger too, but Rieger can do so much more than be a vertical threat. Now you've got a guy who could be a straight vertical threat. I'm way more high, higher on Hightower than I am Marquise Goodwin. But you're at this point in the pandemic where these rookies, you don't know how much information they're going to get, how much coaching they're going to get. I like what the Eagles did when only moving down a couple spots to acquire a good one to be that veteran guy to make the team if if this is how the season goes uh, and they need a guy, a veteran that has speed, so I get it. But I, Hightower is the future vertical guy for this team. I'm very high on Hightower. I don't. I know that you're talking about, obviously, the day, day three picks. You have to really not give them this type of expectations with. I think given the depth of this wide receiver class, a guy like John Hightower was the one that was – a benefactor of that and the reason why he went so low. Uh, I like him a lot more than Watkins, who Daniel Jeremiah loves. Um, I just think Hightower is next John Brown, and I think that's exactly what the Eagles needed. Um, and he has reliable hands, only four drops last year on 89 targets. I know somebody knocks him for that too, but I think they're really focusing on his first year as a wide receiver in Boise State. But I really like his vertical speed. I think he can take the top off of defense, and I think that's something the Eagles needed to have secondaries to take account for. And if Deshaun Jackson goes down again, if Jalen Rieger's the number one guy that seems to start focusing on because of his playmaking ability and given the lack of playmaking ability the Eagles wide receivers have anyways, at least they'll have a guy that could take a top off the defense and they had that in John Hightower. It's just the pandemic worries you with how you can coach these guys up. Yeah, I like Hightower as well. I had him as sort of, I think I can't remember my draft board. Though. I think I had him as a fourth uh, round pick. He was sort of like the top of those kind of receivers. There was quite a lot in the draft. 
Hightower needs to build out his frame, and it'd be interesting if he builds out his frame whether uh, that loses some speed slightly. We'll see. Um, but he's one of those players that he does what he says on the tin. Um, he's vertical, but not just fast. Um, he accelerates off um, Ladana's scrimmage really good. And he actually played, if you go back and watch his goddess tape, he actually played X quite a lot. Um, he did actually get past press a couple of times, which is really interesting because actually um, when you have that opinion of what you think of a vertical threat, you don't see that. For example, people thought KJ Hamler was a vertical threat. You don't see any reps of KJ Hamler playing outside, uh, bursting through coverage deep. And by the way, not saying I was right, but look at who Hamler got drafted by, a team with Sutton and Judy on the outside. Situation, but he's not playing on the outside. He's not being expected to blow by cornerbacks. What I like about um, Hightower is the fact he's six one as well. I think obviously you get people like Deshaun Jackson that are smaller, uh, but it does help if you've got those arms, if you've got that length, because you can track the ball better. Um, he tracks the ball exceptionally well. If the ball's up in the air. Nelson Nagler had some of the worst ball tracking um, you'll ever see from people. You have to have that to have a vertical strength. The problem he will have is that he's skinny. Um, I don't think he's going to ever really get much yards after the contact. So I'm not sure you're going to use him on like backside slant routes that much. I already think he's probably going to be early on a pretty much send it and go. So run him on a deep crossing route, run him on like they like to run a dagger concept. The Eagles send him on a vertical route from the slots to clear out the focus. But he will push cornerbacks back um, and he will win catches he can make it I mean it's, it's really interesting they've now got Jackson and I think Jackson can do more by the way people underrate Jackson so much Sean Jackson is an incredibly good route runner he can run your short outs he can run your slants and stuff like that um, but you've really got Jackson I don't count Rager in this because Rager happens to be in my opinion a short intermediate game player who has a vertical element different to someone like Hightower who is strictly a vertical receiver at this point Goodwin, Hightower, Watkins are basically your free straight line. Send them on the outside. Send them running every time. Force the safeties back. I actually really like Goodwin as a player, but there is no way you can rely at all on him. Hence why they got Hightower as well. The Watkins pick was a bit of a weird one to me. I don't. I quite like the player, but it did seem like a bit. Is he really going to make the team if you've already got all this other stuff? But anyway, that's sort of another debate. But I do think Hightower has a very good chance of actually. Um, contributing year one, not numbers wise, he won't contribute stats wise, but he is the kind of player that could have a big impact on an offense. And someone that I wonder, um, as a comparison, I'm just googling his numbers now, is someone like Ted Ginn with the Saints in recent years. Now, if you look at Ted Ginn's numbers uh, over the recent years, for example, Ted Ginn has never had a thousand yard receiver at season ever, closest he's got is 700. So you look at that and you think, well. Ted Ginn was not great, was he, for a uh, first-round pick, I think he was. Uh, go back, goodness how long, 12, he's been in the round for ages, Ted Ginn. 2007 he was drafted, wow, how about that? But even last year, 30 catches, 400 yards, 14 uh, yards a catch for the Saints. Uh, that's the kind of player I can see him being. He won't blow up the stat sheet. You know, we don't want him in fantasy, John Hightower, but he will force safeties deep and he will force you to back off coverage. And even though he might never really have the numbers to back it up, I think he's one of those players that's more useful for an NFL team than he is for a fantasy team. And we live in this idea of fantasy world now. And because of that, uh, receivers that get volume can be overrated compared to what they actually bring to a team. So I really, really like the Hightower pick. I mean, he was pretty much a no-brainer. I feel like every mock had Hightower in the fourth round. It just seemed uh, like... It was a common sense pick. The Eagles badly didn't have this player last year. They clearly want to change what the offense is about. They added the perfect receiver to do that. So there's not really much more else to say on that, really. It was a perfect combination of fit and uh, player. Yeah, I love the high tower pick. That was such a great move. PFF has him as a third round projection, and they said that he's going to be a steal of the draft. So 
I, yeah, I, I love it. I think that even if even if he brings you that even production that you said, that's well worth a fifth round pick. Absolutely. So great value there. Love John Hightower for the Eagles. But Sean, I think what's really interesting. Sorry, Con, we're not we're not going to go back to this now. But I saw saw so I made this point the other day about how accurate um if you go back Carson Wentz was when he was throwing Stephen Jackson last year and there was a quote I saw today as well which drove me insane uh, Howie Roseman on the uh, rap sheet Ian rap sheet um podcast saying I don't know if you've seen this he said basically direct we want to throw the ball down the field we don't want to be station to station football that's not what coach wants um why the hell they ran the offense they did last year then? Why how he said, hell, here you go, Doug. He's one receiver who can run downfield, no one else. I will never understand. But the kind of offense they're building, if you look at it, Goodwin, Jackson, Rager, that doesn't really fit. This is going to be a topic here. It doesn't really fit the Hertz RPO style as much, in my opinion. That actually fits more of a downfield passer uh, who can sort of get through his reads and actually deliver a deep ball. So it's a bit of an interesting contrast there. But for my opinion, and I've always felt this, Wentz is incredibly good in the intermediate to short range. That doesn't mean he can't throw it. And his deep ball is brilliant. He's a very, very good deep ball thrower. And he would also take risks where some quarterbacks won't. Um, so I think Hightower fits perfectly for what they want to do. It's probably the most exciting thing, actually, for next next year actually is seeing how they use these different receivers in different spots i've got no idea how it's going to play out yet something to talk about when training camp if it ever does kick off it'd be really interesting to read those practice reports about who's lining up where and what they're actually doing with these receivers yeah it's going to be fun I'm, I'm excited so sean bradley pretty much to wrap up on him real quick i feel like that's just a special teams linebacker you know how the eagles value that position duke riley is not a good player he doesn't really deserve a roster spot I could see Sean Bradley make it over him. But, again, you lost Camus to the Dolphins in free agency. you got to make up for that special teams linebacker spot that they love to do. I know you like Davion Taylor as a special team. He's going to get those reps too. Sean Bradley is a, just a guy I could see uh, beating out Duke Riley for that spot pretty much. I, I don't think he's a type of starter that you see in the NFL. But good athletic profile. Like the Eagles have followed the whole entire press bo- uh, draft process. But Quiz Watkins out of Southern Miss. Um yeah, a lot of the draft guys are high on him. I'm not – this is the type of guy that, you know, if injuries happen uh, during training camp or anything like that, they need that speed to make the team. Because, look, I, I they loaded up on speed for a reason. Uh, they trusted Deshaun Jackson to play the whole entire season last year at the age of 32, and it, it bit them in the ass, obviously. So I don't, I don't knock them for loading up on speed, and I know – so many draft guys are high on him. I mean, I don't think he makes a team. And if he does, maybe practice squads uh, out of his game a little bit. Are you? What are your feelings on Watkins? Yeah, I would assume practice squad. To be honest, I think Howie basically admitted it. I think they had him in Hightown were just similarly ranked and they just had a chance to get both and they just sort of thought, well, screw it. Let's just try and get both of them. I don't think uh, – I think if he was drafted before the Eagles pick, I don't think Howie would have sort of punched the desk in anger. I think it was just – one of those players that they thought we need to get quicker. The difference for someone like um, Watkins, in my opinion, is a high tower, and this is where I think high tower is better, and why I think he's got a lot more chance. Is we said a lot throughout this podcast, and I always talk about this when I talk about receivers. Speed is only an element. He might run a faster forty. Doesn't mean he plays faster. Why does he not play faster? Because he can't get off. Um, um, hands. He cannot play through contact and there's a big, big issue there. Um, when you're lining up on the outside, if you're not going to be a slot receiver, and I think Watkins and Hightower, six foot, six foot one, they profile as more outside vertical elements. You're going to face a lot of corners with long arms 
that are 6-2. Uh, and even if they're not pressing you, they will still touch you. Just because you're a Z doesn't mean they'll let you have a free release. Like, no, they, if they think they can get their hands on you, they will stand up and be physical with you. That, why do people like Deshaun Jackson win? Because they get past that because they're so good with their hands. Nelson Aguilar has some of the worst hands I've ever seen at play through contact. I wrote a whole article about him about four years ago saying why he cannot play outside anymore because he cannot get off press coverage. There's a game... I, I remember such a random games as a fan that I've written about. And I remember when the Eagles played the Cardinals about four years ago and Patrick Peterson covered Nelson Aguilar like I was taking a five-year-old outside and covering his roots. It was so easy. It was so easy for Patrick Peterson. He just put a hand on Aguilar and Aguilar couldn't do anything. That's a little bit of my concern with Watkins is, yes, he's fast, but I'm not sure he's actually going to get past the initial line of scrimmage. And sometimes when you see that YouTube highlights, you see him get open like 50 yards down the field. When in NFL, you're in a... You're in a root concept. You've only got an ex- you've got a certain amount of time to get off the line of scrimmage. And if Wentz is looking your way and a big physical cornerback sticks to your arms on you, it doesn't matter if you separate four seconds later. It's too late. He's moved on. He's on to his next receiver. So I have a lot more hope of Hightower being a better player because I think Hightower has better play strength. I think Hightower was a much better route runner. So for me, it was sort of practice squad type receiver. What can you just add because... Why not? You like him, you need speed. I don't. I can't imagine him contributing too much, if I'm being honest. Right, and I don't. Uh, that's that's fine. They need to add some speed to their practice squad at the wide receiver position in case these injuries do occur again, so they can promote them up and at least have a vertical element to work with. Because again, these guys aren't going to. I see most of these draft picks making their team's practice squads because you just love the unknowns of what's going on in this pandemic, and. When you're in the position where you have to call up Robert Davis, who doesn't offer speed, Dante Bur- uh, Burnett is an elusive type guy, but he doesn't offer speed. If you can call up Quest Watkins if John Hightower, Goodwin gets hurt, uh, Deshaun Jackson gets hurt again. I mean, what? it's not as bad as, as calling up those other guys that don't offer the element that you even needed in the first place. So uh, there's nothing wrong with him, them taking him, getting to know him more, and if he doesn't make the team, then hope he makes the practice squad, in my opinion. And if you need him, Hey, you have a speed option on the practice squad. There's nothing wrong with that. So I like it from that standpoint, but I agree with you. He gets bumped off his routes way too easily. And at that point where he goes out of bounds, so it doesn't really offer me much. If you're talking about vertical uh, vertical passes that have to be pinpoint ball placement and you're getting bumped out of your route anyways, what's the point? So, I mean, I like him from a practice squad standpoint. And if you need him during the season because you need that speed because you have injuries at the wide receiver position, all right, there you go. There's Watkins, but – other than that, I'm not as high as them as everybody else. John Hightower and Rieger are my guys. They're a lot of receiver out of this draft. But uh, I'll talk about Prince Tega real quick. His medicals are the reason why he dropped. He should have been in the, at least in the third-round range, in my opinion. Um, I like this pick a lot, man, to be honest with you. I think Andre Dillard is such a wild card at this point because he just can't handle the bull rush. And in the NFL, if you can't handle the bull rush as a, as a left tackle, I'm, my faith in you is not going to be that high. This is a guy who dominated pass rush at the SEC level, really put Chason in his place, who ended up being the 20th pick of this draft of the Jacksonville Jaguars, gave up zero sacks last season on pass blocking snaps. It's a guy I like to put in Jeff Stoutland's hands and demote him real quick. If Roger Dillard doesn't work out, because I, I like this more than Big B, honestly. So if Roger Dillard doesn't work out, you have a guy that you're developing the wings that might be able to replace him and has proven at an SEC level where there's a good pass rushing talent at those schools that he can handle it. Uh, I like that pick for the Eagles, especially the sixth round. It's such a wild card with his medicals uh, while he fell into their laps. But I think it gives them a good guy that if Andre Dillard doesn't work out, we have some options on the bench that we can work with. Because there is a chance that he might not work out. 
Let's just be honest. So, and then Casey Tuhill, a defensive end that the Eagles usually take in the seventh round and is lucky to make their practice squad. Um, really, I, that's what I think of him at this point is either he comes in and makes the practice squad or he doesn't make the team whatsoever. Uh, good athletic guy. They went after athletes as usual. Uh, maybe he maybe he gives them something like a Joel because they love Joe Austin for some reason. So maybe he becomes that new Joe Austin for them. But uh, that's basically it. That's pretty much my my thoughts on the post draft. Anything to add, Johnny? No, not really. I think we covered everything pretty much. I think overall, we just say when you look back at how the Eagles have drafted in recent years, they have massively uh, not targeted athleticism enough. They've got too many slow players. The roster was too slow. The team was too slow. And they probably did go a bit over the top on getting speedy players this year and athletic players. But I think that's a price they had to pay for neglecting it in the past few years. So I think in that way, I don't... I have any real complaints about the way they attacked it. As I said before, overall, I really like day one. Um, I think they've done the – I'm so happy they took Riga over Jefferson. I know some people might not understand why when they think look at rankings. I can promise you I was terrified they were going to take Jefferson. And I like him as a player. just did not want him here. And you, if you want to know why, look at what the Eagles done with the rest of their picks. I really like day three. I really like Wallace. I really like Hightower. Don't get day two. But that comes down to partly just my disagreement in the Eagles' philosophy of the backup quarterback, which I'm never going to agree with, I don't think. So that's one of those things. And yeah, so overall, um, it's not a bad draft. I think if they can get Rager to be really, really good, they can get Wallace to hopefully be a starter, maybe Hightower to rotate in and out. And then you get Taylor, who could be an a special teams player and maybe develop down the line. If that's the case, then it's not a bad draft class overall, I think. Because although you always expect to get seven stars, it doesn't work that way. If you can get one or two, um, then you leave happy, I think. So I'm hoping that that Wallace pick might have saved it slightly. I mean, the best thing... Look, Torrey Smith did not make that big of a contribution to the Eagles' season as a whole, but his speed did. So... That's why I don't – I mean, they didn't go out in free agency and sign any speed guys. I thought they should sign Bashard, per- Bashard Perryman, but they didn't want to pay the $6 million that he can he obviously got from the Jets. So they go into this draft and they go crazy with it because it's just been so bare for them. They went through 2018 where they thought Mike Wallace can be it for them, and then he got hurt. They went through Deshaun and thinking he could be it for them, and then he got hurt. They didn't have it in 2016, and it showed. And then the last couple of years, they didn't have it, and it showed. So that's really why they finished 9-7, because their intermediate offense can only work so well with such little speed in it. So I, I like them loading up at it. And I think if, if you can get a Torrey Smith type, maybe a John Hightower, that's worth the fifth-round pick. And it showed how crucial it was for them for that season. Uh, so I, I really like what they did, honestly. Jalen Hurts threw me off like crazy with the second-round pick, but the rest of it really made up for – uh, for me, in my opinion, so I like the class. Uh, good potential all around. Yeah, sounds good, Connor. What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is two-time Super Bowl champion Justin Tuck. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to Just Another Football Podcast. Do me a favor, please leave a five-star rating and subscribe. Peace.